0: Our speaker today, so Chet Cantrell is going to come and tell us a little bit about CAC Christian Activity Center and also preach God's Word to us today. So, Chet, we are anxiously awaiting to hear what you have to say.
1: It's probably been a long time since I've been anxiously waiting. <laughs> no I'm kidding. So I am glad to be with you today, it's been a while, um, actually it's been a while since I have talked in a church, like two years, so um, anyway, and I'm, uh, my dad is a great preacher, but I'm, I'm not, so just a day. <laughs> but I want to say uh, I'm grateful for the invitation, Pastor Rob, uh, this church, uh, I've said this before, it reminds me of my home church, the view out the window and you guys and all that. But uh, so I'm grateful to be here. I, I came uh, to Illinois as a uh, home missionary uh, back in 89, and um, I'd arrived in Illinois to serve at the Christian Activity Center, which is one of the oldest Baptist centers remaining in the country, uh, so baptists have had to work there for a long long time uh since back in the frontier days actually before it was the city of east st louis and so that's the legacy i'm a part of Uh, it became christian activity center in 1950 when the city asked Baptists if uh, uh, they would help uh, in that neighborhood uh, where industry was leaving and so it became the baptist goodwill center uh, in 75, two things happened in that city. Uh, one, the life expectancy of adult males uh, dropped down to 36 years of age. And also in 75, a uh, fire gutted that building. And so the city asked Baptists so would do work with children and youth because of the astronomical juvenile crime rate. And so 89, it was named Christian Activity Center, or 80. And, uh, and I came along in 89, so it's been a privilege to be there. But saying all that to say that uh, uh, churches support us and pray for us, and one of my early speaking engagements was with a WMU group that some of your members were there and they invited me to come here, and that was like in 98 or seven or something like that, I don't know, uh, but you guys have been supporting us ever since. And I'm not trying to embarrass you or anything like that, but I just want to tell you what you have done since, uh, I'm sorry, since 98 uh, to now, this church has given over $125,000 to support the work of Christian Activity Center. Did you know that? I just want to tell you that. Thank you. And uh, Yeah. So my dad always said never talk about money, but I just want to tell you that. So... (laughs) because it's not about money it's about impact right it's about giving kids what they need and what you have done is you fuel impact by having staff and resources that they need uh, for this work Um, so that's uh that's what you have done Uh, and while i'm on that vein uh, what the christian center strives to do is to provide access and opportunity to children and youth who otherwise don't have it. And there's a lot to be said about that. So our job is to raise up kids uh, who grow up in a neighborhood uh, where most folks are afraid to drive their cars, right? The Krishnak Jesus Center is located on the corner of 6th and Summit, uh, right beside the Samuel Gomper Public Housing Project, uh, which for so many years uh, had such a notorious reputation. um, And, it was the epicenter of what was considered the seven deadliest miles on the planet. See, so nothing you had your work there, and so our kids are raised in this environment of of fear and disopportunity and disenfranchisement. Um, so that's what our job was to provide a place for kids to come uh, that was off the streets. We called it a ministry of place. We try to give kids a place to come where they uh, grow and thrive uh, after school and throughout the year. Um, Just to ask you this question, so where do kids spend the majority of their time? The answer is not at school, right? Kids spend 70% of their waking hours not in school. So what happens to kids those 70 hours where they spend most of their waking hours? Uh, well, I'll tell you what happens to kids in a middle to upper class family during the school years. Uh, by the time they're in sixth grade, if you're a, a middle income or upper income child, uh, by the time you're in sixth grade, you'll have spent about 3,080 hours in after school enrichment programs. Right? <laughs> right? You've been waiting for your kids at band, right? You've done tutoring, you've done ch- all these things you do after school. If you're in a middle or upper class uh, community or, or family. but uh, the your child is in sixth grade, and they'll have spent a, a hundred, 1,080 a, a hours of summer enrichment programs. How many of you guys have been to camp? You, you, you've done things with school, you've been on trips, and that kind of thing too. And speaking of trips, by the time you're in sixth grade, you have spent about 450 hours uh, on field trips. You've done things. Now I was blessed to have that kind of a family. You know, we traveled on vacations. I saw the Washington Monument. We went to Kansas City. I went to St. Louis. You know, from North Carolina, by the way. Can you tell from my accent? So anyway, so uh, you know. I, I saw my first white castle. <laughs> but this experiences expand your world. Does that make sense? Okay. If you're in a lower income family, or, or uh, what I'm saying to you is those opportunities do not exist for you. And so by the time you're in sixth grade, you're 6,000 educational hours behind your counterparts. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what happens? In, in, And what happens in East St. Louis, you understand this, is no different than happens in this county, right? The only difference is degree, but not in kind. So if you're a teacher, you know these same situations about access and opportunity, you see. So our job is to give kids access and opportunity and fill those 70% of their waking hours with things that you want your child to have. Because I want all of our kids to grow up like you, Right? So what I, I want, to have opportunities to make decisions that a lot of kids don't, don't have. And so we've tried to do that to fill their time with things that are meaningful to them. Uh, we create our environment on things that kids need. And by the way, kids come into this world wanting to know two things. One, am I loved and am I seen? In Swahili, the word that we translate as love means I see you with my eyes. Does that make sense? So our job and your job as a lover is to see the beloved with your eyes. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You've been in the grocery store. You've been behind the crying kid. And you see the mother struggling. And the child looks at you and stops crying. And that thing happens, right? You connected that kid there just for that moment in time. And that child being seen by you, Forever plants a part of the definition of what beauty means to that child. Do you know that? So that's, that's what you do. You see the blood. And it's not enough, Christians, who need to be equipped, right, to just see with your eyes, but you also need to reflect what it is that you love about that person. Because your job as an adult and as a lover is to call out the things that you love. I see in you this. Does that make sense? Yes. The reason for that is, is because kids, especially for kids, kids are wired to hear what adults tell them, right? Mm -hmm. And they'll believe what we say. But so often adults are not telling kids anything about who they are. And so that's our job is to plant in a child's life what we see in them and grow out of them what we see. Does that make sense? I'm blessed because people encouraged me in my life. They said, Chet, you're pretty good with kids. You can do this. You can do that. So I started believing those crazy notions about myself that I could do something. I was encouraged to do that. Um, Anybody see the movie The Blind Side? I didn't see it. I read the book. He said, between the ages of 9 and and 13, I don't know if anybody ever saw me. And there are so many kids that are unseen who do not know who they are because we are not living up to our responsibility to tell them what we see or be in position to tell them what we see. You with me? Kids need to be seen and told what, what, what we see. Kids also want to know who's in charge, right? So you guys have a prison nearby. <laughs> you know what that's about. Uh, so many kids grow up uh, not knowing uh, what their boundaries are. Kids have this innate need uh, for security. It's built into all of us. We come in this world little bitty babies. We want to know if somebody's bigger than us that's in charge. And psychologists tell us that we need to learn, understand. Kids need to be taught boundaries. I had parents that taught me my boundaries. They said, "Chet, don't." I usually did, and they defined for me. My, we don't do that anymore. They defined for me my boundaries. Right? So, uh, psychologists tell us that uh, kids without boundaries. Um, one, are very insecure. They never know if what they're doing is right or wrong, if it's good enough or not. Uh, They have very low self-esteem because there's no feedback into their life, you see. There's no sense of discipline. Discipline gives us esteem. So those are things you, you give kids. And kids will search for boundaries until they get to jail. They learn a whole different set of rules to play the game of life by, you see. So our job is to raise kids. We try to create that environment for that to happen. And we try to fill their lives with things that they otherwise would not have. Uh, Educational supports. Uh, Yes, we make kids read and write and do homework and do math every day and we gauge them. Um, We have many kids uh, in our city whose their first day of school is the first day of first grade, you see. And they're already, by then, about 18 months behind. In our town, there are 5,000 kids eligible for early childhood education and 1,500 seats, you see. So we try to fill that gap, but also to find a way and devise our educational program to help kids catch up that have those deficits. And so uh, we start out, in, uh, when I first was talking to you guys, uh, with about a 70% dropout rate by the time kids were in sixth grade. And by the way, kids decide if they can or cannot do it by about third grade. That's when they develop esteem. And you know, this you prison folks, that the stat in jail is that uh, over 70% of people in prison have reading levels less than third grade. So I know if we don't teach a kid to read, by third grade, there's almost an 80 <laughs> percent chance I'll lose that kid to incarceration, uh, to 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 homicide, uh, or a life of 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 food and housing insecurity. So that's in, how important it is that we, as church, have to be engaged with kids all over America. You understand that, right? Yes. That's what we have to do. So uh, anyway, so. Uh, our folks on education is strong. Uh, of course, recreation, moving their bodies, you know, you gotta move. Uh, kids need uh, about 300 minutes of physical activity every week just to be healthy and active. And by the way, the magic number for adults is 150 minutes, you know that right? <laughs> if you do that, no joke, it eliminates about 80% of stuff that kills us, right? And we all know that, we rarely do it, but we all know that. So just trying to help our kids have that lifestyle of being proactive about their their health is important. Also, it's important for our brain development. Your brain never stops growing, right? It does when we stop moving. <laughs> do I sound like uh, was that Sim, Richard Simmons? Okay, guys, you gotta move your tissues. Uh, sorry. <laughs> um, anyway. So and teaching kids life skills. So we do lots of things with uh, life skills, work skills. I had a job when I was nine years old that I actually got some money for. Before that, I was mowing the grass and, you know, we used the power tools and we don't, you know, all that kind of stuff. So um, a lot of kids don't have that experience because there's not work there. So trying to give job skills and things like that is part of what we do. The age of technology is, is upon us, so we're trying to teach kids to be savvy. But undergirding everything we do is, uh, is trying to help kids understand that for your, our lives to be filled, uh, there's something more, right? All of us, the pursuit of everyone's heart, and just if you're young in the game and uh saves you a whole bunch of time, the deepest desire of our heart is to love and to be loved, right? So we help kids be in touch with that, and how we understand that as Christians, we know that that same quest is really our search for, for God, right? Amen. So we help guide kids in our search for God, the giver of the source of love, and for us to understand love, we have to be connected to the source, you see, and so uh, it's the faith walk that we try to teach our kids. Um, The easiest thing in the world to do is to win an inner city kid for Christ. You guys can come down there any day of the week you want to, walk down the street, whip out the four spiritual laws, the ABCs, all those things that we do, you know, and somebody can make a commitment to Christ. But what Christ, God calls us to do is what? To go and make disciples, right? So our ministry is structured to raise disciples. Again, a place where most folks don't want to drive their, their cars, you see. Uh, so what does it mean to be a, a Christian, to be a follow of Christ in this setting? And that's what we're trying to help our kids understand and be with them in that journey. And so we try to form as strong a bond as we can uh, so they can stand strong and we can stand strong together in the face of all kinds of obstacles uh, because the traps of the evil one to kill, steal, and destroy are all around us, you see. You, me, there, uh, and kids are growing up and seeing uh, so many things that kids should not see. And so to have a strong faith, it's knock that bad devil off the shoulder, right? So, uh, angel off the shoulder, so. That's our our, our mission, Uh, and the success of that has been, uh, thanks to your prayers, that thanks to you, kids are living different lives. I've been there a long enough time uh, to have seen kids now that have grown up, they have families, um, they are married and have families, and uh, they are still together, and I'm seeing their kids who are now having kids, yeah, I started when I was six, okay. I don't know this is with. So I get to see that. Uh, I don't know how you feel about shots and all that, but what I will tell you is that one of our CAC kids is a neuroscientist, a graduate of Duke University in neuroscience who specializes in epidemiology, Help develop one of those vaccines, you see. Yeah, so I get the, I get the inside intel, right? So uh, I know that. We have special agents to the FBI, the one I just talked to a couple of days ago. I have a guy that helped develop facial recognition, for better or for worse, is what he says. But he did that. He's one of our kids. He, he was living in a van when he started coming to the CDC. And that's what you have done for kids. You know, this kid came in because he was hungry and he used the bathroom, right? And so he ate food with us and and began uh, working in our computer lab. And he grew up to... And that will be Dr. Payne. So anyway, so I can tell you stories of, of firemen and, and preachers and teachers and nurses. If you've been in anywhere in the health, St. Louis health care system for any kind of care, you probably came across a CAC kid in there somewhere. We have such caring and compassionate people. And we have plumbers and welders who will make more than I will ever make in my life. <laughs> so it's, it's introducing kids and all those those things. So you have done that. Um, and you'd be am- amazed at the leadership they're providing their, in their community. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. So to guard and protect kids. And um, and I was supposed to preach and all that kind of stuff. and I, was going to start with scripture, and I just didn't do that. I just started ripping right away. That's okay. I thought it's been a couple years since I talked. This is all un Hay.
0: Just letting it go, weren't
1: you? Well, it's you guys. You know, I, I pretend like you love me. You know I love you. We love you. Which, by the way, that's the key to mental health, right? Is you love everybody and pretend like everybody likes you. Don't care if they don't, just pretend like that. Right? It's the key to mental health. So. Anyway, and trying to teach that kids. We're trying to help our kids, and I want to say this to you, uh, too, and then I'll end up with Scripture here, is that uh, you know, Jesus said to be as wise as serpents and harmless as a dove. And Dr. King interpreted that as saying, being tough-minded and tender-hearted. And we're called to do that. And we're in an age where you have to be tough-minded and tender-hearted. Anybody have a military background? You, you, OK, you know what we do with propaganda, right? You know how we, what, how we use that to get into the heads of our enemies and the Ma enemies. You know that's being done to us, right? In our, you know that. So, OK. Um, and you know who they target the most. What's the most powerful cultural influence in the United States? 45% of Americans are this, white Christians, right? White Christians, that's where everybody wants to tell us stuff and get in your heads. You understand that? And so we're called to be wise as serpents, as harmless as doves. And so all of us need to turn off the TV sometimes and focus on the word that we've seen before is take a bath in this, you know. I don't know about you, but these past couple years, like, oh man, come on, people. I mean, the, anyway, so trying to help our kids understand. I want to talk to you about about kids too. You know, what TikTok is okay, YouTube, all these things. Do you know how when you do a Google search, you're looking for something, and next thing you know, you get advertisements out the wazoo from that place you looked at. Amazing. Or you use your phone, and then suddenly you get advertised from those places? Okay. Our kids are getting that too. Why? Huh? Because you know if you capture the hearts of kids, you get them, right? Yeah. Okay. And so our kids are looking at TikTok, and so we're having this talk during COVID when we're doing virtual stuff, and we get back together, and we're talking about, you know, we do have these STEM classes, so we're talking about something And it comes up that half of our kids know flat earth theory. And they're telling me why that this whole thing about the earth being round is a hoax. I'm thinking, what? Do you see the enemy at work here? And so I had them show me these websites they go to. They're, They're looking for... You know their scientific experiment, and you get this funny guy in the corner that you click on to. You know, I know you guys pick on stuff. You know. <laughs> What's happening in the life of my favorite celebrity? You need to follow this path, so they do that, and they get these guys dressed up like Sesame Street characters, and they start explaining these things to them. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So you're trying to help kids understand what is true and what is not true. You got to watch all this, all this stuff. So. The, the enemy's all around. So uh, the other thing, discussion, is that, and uh, so, and I'm a bit irreverent, I have to admit, you have some crazy evangelists out there, right? Every generation. Now, I remember this one guy when I was in high school, we went to the seminar, and we learned that Jesus was coming back in 1979. <laughs> and then we were messed up. Like, what? What? And so there's this guy out there now who's talking to kids. About the end of times, right? And Jesus coming back. And I just want to tell you this: Jesus coming back in two years and two months. So, are you ready? So, now the disciples are sitting around the campfire one night, and they're talking about this. Now we all talk about the end times, right? We we try to discover the mysteries of Revelation and stuff like that. So, the disciples are sitting around and talking to Jesus and say, "Tell us when the end times come." And Jesus said, nobody knows. I don't know. Only the Father in heaven. And this is a deep, serious conversation. You now, how guys like to talk, you know. <laughs> we get all philosophical. And so Jesus makes everybody laugh in the 25th chapter of Matthew. Because then this huge discussion, he said, I'll tell you what it's like. The Son of Man coming. It was like the, the bridesmaids waiting for the groom. And everybody busts up laughing. Because in those days, nobody knew when the, the, the grooms were going to come. You know, it was just game they would play. So they didn't have calendars, you know, so when the crops came in, you know, that's when the wedding was, everybody had to waiting around. So it was a game for the groomsmen to sneak up on the bride. You know, there. And so Jesus said, the coming of the Son of Man is like that. It's going to be like the wedding. And everybody's dying laughing. He says, no, no, seriously, seriously. Let me, and he starts telling a series of parables in Matthew 25. So that's my scripture for today. I'm bouncing through Matthew 25. So Jesus said that he's, the coming of the Son of Man is like the way that you don't really know when the King is going to come, but we're to be ready, right? So that's the sermon. Are you ready for the coming of the King? Are you watchful? Are you diligent? Are you keeping your minds as wise as a serpent and your heart as, as, as tender as a, as, as a dove, Right? Are you doing that? Are you waiting for the king to come? Now, that does have an eternal meaning, but it also means right now. (laughs) Do you know that God wants to reveal himself? God wants to reveal himself to you today. You know, when you wake up, the God who loves you wants to reveal himself to you. So, through the stars and through the nature. Through the word that speaks to us, are you ready for that every day? We miss so much because we're not looking and waiting for God to speak to us every day, right? Yes, so, uh, so, are you ready and waiting? And the second group of parables Jesus tells is that as we're to be a ready and waiting people, we're not to be idle. Because the second group of parables in the same chapter is how the master always gave servants gifts that they were to invest in the world, right? Yes. In this story, Jesus gave three of his. The master gave three servants gifts, which they were to invest in the world. The first servant took what the master gave to him, invested <coughs> it the world, and it quadrupled, much to the master's great delight and his own personal joy. So I got to ask you this: Do you know the joy of donating your life to the master? Do you know the joy of that? I used to think, and my, my attitude, this is terrible to say, but I'm confessing, that when I started doing urban work, I thought, well, I'm supposed to bring Jesus to these people. But what I found out, and what you'll find out, is that as you donate and invest your life, it's these people that are bringing Jesus to you. Do you understand that? So if you want to go get close to God, you go where people are hurting or in need and invest your life in some way. And you're going to experience God. So, the second servant took what the master gave to her and invested into the world. That gift more than quadruple much to the master's great delight, her own personal joy. The third servant, however, took what the master gave to him, got scared, and buried it. You know. And the results are pretty grisly. And Jesus is saying, Yeah, they're, they're wicked and lazy. So. We're kind of lazy sometimes, anyway. So here, this life was are, and they went from this serious conversation, this funny conversation, and now they're thinking, okay, well, we're to be ready, we're to be waiting, we're to invest our lives. What in the world can we do to make a difference? And that's when Jesus tells this third parable. He says, when the Son of Man comes in all His glory, all the nations will be gathered before Him, angels around the throne. And he's going to separate the people that are gathered there uh, like the old farmer has to separate the, the sheep from the goats who would infiltrate the herd, right? So, And to those on the right-hand side, he's going to say, Come, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Because when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. And when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And I was a stranger, you gave me the glad Freedom Baptist welcome of God. When my clothes were torn and tattered, you gave me new ones. When I was sick, you looked after me. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. And the righteous are going to say, Well, Lord, when do we see you all these things? And the king is going to say those words that all of you know by heart that as you did it to the least of these, so you've done unto me. See. That's what we're called to do. That's what you guys give us and the staff at CEC the privilege of doing day in and day out. Your investment matters. You've literally saved hundreds of lives. An investment in the life of one child is an investment in a whole generation that comes from them. So all that you have done will live on way past our lifetime as a seed that has grown in the heart of a child, has passed on and on and on. You understand the importance of what we do. See? Um, so we, you, me, us. So you give us this opportunity. So I'm grateful to God for you. I thank you for this opportunity. Um, questions, comments, clever witticisms? Uh, yes, sir? What about the, the number of children that you run through there, say, in six months, a year? Is there... Is that up or down? Uh, Right now, we're down. Um, In the past uh, 11 years or so, we averaged uh, close to 460 kids that would come through every week there. We saw about (coughs) 2,000 unduplicated kids a year. So when I send you reports, though, I send you reports about the improvements on kids that come three or more days a week. That's where we track our stats from. And so that number uh, is generally uh, about 183. That's what you read from me. During the age of COVID, we're, we're at 80. We're capped at 80 right now, which breaks my heart, but that's what we got. So we do some, uh, some online, online things, but 80 inside our building. We do some stuff outside, that we can do, but it's, uh, it's is that
0: what you're limited to because of capacity,
1: yes, because of COVID regulations. That's that's right. So <coughs> the regulations have lifted some, we've done the uh, but we're still on the excess of caution. Uh, we have a vulnerable community uh, because um, of food insecurity and other things like that. We have a lot of unhealthy people, and so we've had we've lost a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And if you've been a pastor, been at the bedside of somebody that. Anyways, um yeah, so that's that's what we've got right now. Also during COVID, um s- s- there's staff members that have the audacity to that, that, to get married and move <laughs> off places, have babies and such. So <laughs> Get a, uh, a fellowship to go study in New Mexico, but uh, <laughs> so anyway, we we didn't we didn't rehire those during COVID, so we we're, we're down a few staff people too. We got it so, um, and by the way, I'm not the executive director anymore. I'm the director of development of praise and thanks. So, um, we uh, had grown to the place where. Uh, uh, we need somebody that can handle the, the business side uh, who loves it more than I do and has more capabilities than I. So and that gives me the opportunity to advance some uh, projects that we're working on uh, in our community. I told you before about our park, uh, we are transforming an old school building into a new community school. That will be an immersion school for our neighborhood The kids can walk to. Um, we are introducing a, uh, a workforce development um, training center on one side of our, our property. So all these, all these things are kind of percolating right now. So sometimes you can't change anything if you're willing to change everything. So anyway. Do you see a need then for like church projects down the road? Hands on? We do. It's, um, when everything breaks free, we have any time during the, the spring through fall um, for mowing crews. And just basically, we have 28 acres to take care of now. Um, so we ask people to come down just for do the weekend work thing and weed and seed and stuff. So um, I'm going to plant a field of sunflowers uh, in May because there's an area of ground that we need to remediate the soil. And we use sunflowers to do that. So we plant sunflower. Um, but other labor uh, type projects that the old school, uh, we're gonna start working there and there's interior so People are handy. Plumbing, electricity, things like that. So I have a list. We have a website. It's got stuff on there. Um, so we, have, we, have, we built a shed, we call it the super shed because it's huge, and uh, we could. But part of the deal was to, to to put a tractor in there, but also to have a, a wood ch- workshop in there. So I need to make that into uh, the shed, into a, a, some class half up into classroom space, and that would be building shelves, and um, you have an electrician that can run some wires and such, so. Yes.
0: Do you find a need um, for hygiene products, clothing, for the kids? Um, and do you guys feed them and have to feed them at times? Because
1: I know they miss meals. No, we do. We actually uh, have a hot meal and lunch every day. Okay. And uh, during COVID, when we couldn't have anybody in the building, uh, we had buses <clears throat> out front, and, uh, and we served uh, 98,000 meals this past couple of years just on – on the streets there, so we, we do that. Um, we uh, we do accept clothing. Uh, we can now. Um, every year we have a back to school <clears throat> event. So we have, uh, we provide backpacks with all the school supplies they need and school uniforms, but all like socks and underwear. Um, there are things that women need that men don't need. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need those things. Okay. <laughs> so for girls of all ages. and. Um, you know, and on our website, too, there's a, a list there. But during COVID, uh, when COVID, COVID first hit, we got we got smacked really hard. And so people couldn't get, one, public transportation, folks couldn't get to Walmart and places like that. And when they got there, they all get one of this or one of that. And so, uh, so we provided uh, care baskets for all our families that had, you know, toilet paper, paper towels, dishwashing stuff, things like that. So we keep that stocked up. And that also is on our website. You can sh- exactly what we use right there. How is, li- how is your website listed? I mean, what is the
0: correct website? Uh,
1: uh, ESL, Christian Activity Center, East St. Louis. C-A-C-E-S-L. But you can just type in Christian Activity Center, East St. Louis. And there we are, so.
0: What about first aid supplies?
1: Um, there, there's also a list there, too. Um, there are things that COVID has brought that we cannot take anymore. Um, but we always have a need for uh, Band-Aids. And um, but we can't use neosport anymore. I, let me look at my list and tell you that. Okay. There's certain things we cannot use anymore. But, but definitely first aid. Yes, sir.
0: Do
1: you
0: need guidance on your sunflower field? Um, yes. Fertility, on what? Fertility of the soil. You talk about
1: rehabilitating that. Or have you gotten assistance on that? Or have you uh, Well, my buddy ESD, the USDA gave me a, we, we took t- soil samples, and we have one section. We re- remediated most of the soil, but there's one that's really high in, in a, arsenic and steroids, and so we just... Like I work for that agency you're talking about, and they give
0: free assistance and financial help on the
1: nutrient management, you know, soil health kind of thing. I would appreciate constant t- consultation. My my buddy there uh, has been very helpful with, with soil, re- with with testing and things like that. Um we were in conversation about uh, some funding for a uh, a high tunnel. <coughs> so we have a, a quite a robust robust uh, a, a gardening club right now. We're selling stuff at Soulard on Saturdays and making money for their mission trips. So, <laughs> but, uh, so, if you're down that way, I'd love for you. To, I'd love to pick your brain.
0: I can direct
1: you to the county office there. Okay. And
0: somebody
1: can help you there. i appreciate that. I okay. come out there to your site and part you uh, I'll appreciate that. I've been talking to Lewis Hathorne there. Yeah, by the way. Okay. So he's a character. That's that's my buddy. (laughs) Smart. Man, he's a smart guy. Yes, ma'am.
0: How could uh, maybe someone or a group of people replicate a discipleship program for you in a smaller community such as ours, whether it's Olney, Noble, and Clay City? Mm
1: -hmm. Um. That's a big conversation, I guess. Um, you need a space in a set amount of time and more than one person that are committed to it, to the amount of time. And then there's an approach you consider and, and you. we can talk further. Not trying to leave you hanging there, but I got a z in questions before I can answer your question. Thank so you so I'm, much.
0: I'm really happy you came today, because I was probably the first person that came from this church down there.
1: I think you were. To
0: visit and to see firsthand what was going on. And I came back and I said, we got to put them on our budget. And they was good-hearted people, which a lot of them aren't here anymore, but anyway, uh, yes, I'm happy to hear it's thriving well and that all is good, and yes.
1: We've been blessed. I uh, thank you for that. I it makes you me proud. I don't want to be,
0: you know, getting a big head or anything, but it just makes my heart feel good that things are going good.
1: Well, you need to know your impact. You, you, you just do, and uh, sometimes people don't know what their giving means or does, and it literally touches thousands of kids that you do feed and nourish. And I mean, in all kinds of ways, it's pretty profound.
0: And one time, our crew back here, young, at that time they were young married. Now they're just married, you know. That's right. I stood in the shade and got poison ivy. <laughs> but yes, they followed through going down and doing a work job. So that was one reason for the thoughts.
1: Was that the tree in the playground <laughs> that, where you got the poison ivy? That took me years to get rid of that thing. That was a monster. <laughs> it was just a monster. I don't that's, know, that's the
0: it was there in the shade, so yeah, that's okay.
1: It was the evil vibe that would not cool go <laughs> <laughs> so. away.
0: These children that attend, do you get a lot of good um, feedback from their their parents or grandmothers or whoever's raising them? Are they pretty supportive, or do you get some negative from them at, at times as well?
1: No, we, uh, no, the community's been with us every step, and, and when, uh, you when know, we first came there you know we did we did that work you know we you know we taught the parents and said hey you know what are you looking for what what are we missing here and you know it's resounding keep our kids alive and you know we our, our parents want what every other family needs and so they said that for all these years and so we we try to all grow up together And so a lot of our children now, their parents were CAC. So it's kind of a, one of our families didn't know that there was anything else to do on Halloween than to go to a fall festival at this church we've always been to (laughs) until it was canceled by COVID. What are we supposed to do? (laughs) They've never done anything else. <coughs> yeah, they're it's very supportive. How
0: some of the gang-related stuff could really be negative. So I don't know
1: if you run into any of those issues. No, our gang affiliation rate dropped from 95 percent to five percent now, and it's about at that. So, but even in the earliest days, uh, and nobody, very few want to be what they are in that world. It's That's what they. Yeah. Bleed in, and bleed out. Uh so but but their kids, I made sure that their kids could come. And 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 so a lot of the kid the adults that are most notorious, their children have grown up there. And there's some God stories in all in all that. But uh in the early days we had a uh a summit there with all the gangsters, because our kids didn't go past two streets up, and those kids didn't come down. And we came to this uh, agreement. It wasn't exactly a holy agreement, but we didn't do certain things. They didn't do certain things at certain times for, for our kids. Our kid, Every kid had free access, and that became part of that culture, that community. So it changed a whole bunch of stuff. Thank you. I took way too much time. You,
0: did <laughs> just you. perfect. Any, any final questions for chat? Well, we thank you for coming. Thank you so much. Let's give him a hand.